Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome in to the College Chaos Podcast. I am Garrett Ross, alongside my man Jack McKenzie and you. We appreciate you tuning in, whether it is live or you going back and checking us out on YouTube or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast as well. Hope you enjoyed a wonderful weekend at some Army-Navy action that uh, was kind of I was kind of crapping on. Yeah, you on really Friday. were crapping on it last week. I just, dude, I don't know what it is about this game. Like, I've, I've, I've never really been into it. I've always just kind of felt like football season ended the week before, and I, like I guess live. like I've never really like I don't have like some uh, real true attachment to the military. Like, I don't have a lot of family that were in it and stuff. Maybe, maybe that plays into it. That probably does. But like, I've never really felt like a true connection to it, and with it being. The way it is and the style of offenses and everything, I've just kind of let it be. It's just never really caught my attention. But so I realized that because as Saturday's unfolding, I'm just chilling at the house. And uh, every time I would get on social media, like I would see all the, all the talk would be Army, Navy, Army, Navy. And uh, I was like, OK, well, maybe there is something to this. Maybe Jack's right. And I don't like to give you credit, but I was like, <laughs> maybe my man's right on this. Uh, so I was spent my Saturday watching like the FCS games, right. You know, and that was pretty fun, but the more I thought about it and I kept seeing like the last play, it ends on a safety and all this. I'm like, all right, I'll have to check this out on Sunday morning. So I went back and watched it. That was a lot of fun. I'll give it to Mm -hmm. you. I am sold on army Navy. I'm surprised at how much they were throwing though. That was the evolution I was not expecting. That was definitely a little out of the ordinary, but I mean, Navy had to at the end. Yeah. And Army really seemed to want to this year. They just, I think they hit the meat of their schedule, and they're like, let's try and get bowl eligible instead. Right. And they knew what they had to do. They knew what their personnel was. See, and I like that because I didn't really understand the move of, like, them joining a conference. I was kind of, like, laughing at that as well. But, no, I mean, this is fun. Like, I've always, I I guess I didn't really realize how, like, there are true athletes, and it's pretty negligent on my fault, my part for that. Especially when they're in the triple option, which allows these guys who might not necessarily be the most skilled with the ball, like throwing and catching, all they got to do is hold on to it and run. That that was fun, though. I I enjoyed that. What was your biggest takeaway from it? From that game? Or just in general, the weekend, that game? I mean, oh, weekend, I was was really just kind of edging out this weekend, like just letting stuff be. It was great, but that that was the main sporting event of my weekend. I had a great time watching it, and uh, I guess my main takeaway was probably that it's going to be really, really fun to see that game be a conference game. Yeah, and I hope those two teams, because now they're they're both going to be in the American here soon. I hope those two teams can get good enough to make that the American title game one year. That would be cool because, like, I wonder if you would. I guess you would have to play that game twice, right? Like, you would play no. Army. No, no. It would sur- so they will never play each other as a conference game unless it's the conference title game, and then that would take place of the conference title. Okay, game. okay, yeah. yeah, which would be a very weird and cool situation. Um, but I don't know if that means they're they're planning on playing thirteen games each year, both of those teams, mm-hmm. or if they're planning on playing eleven games every year, and that twelfth is either 
just for themselves right. or um, or actually for the conference title. But I think that that'll be really fun. And I mean, Army's been in a conference. Uh, I think on and off for a while. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it's a huge deal that they're joining a conference. I do think it's very interesting that they're joining the same conference as Navy. Right. No, that was cool. The, the, so the other thing you had out there was the Heisman. Uh, Jaden Daniels wins it. I should be ecstatic. Uh, I've kind of got mixed feelings on this. Um, You've got mixed feelings on I this? Do. Like, I do. I, I, I said last week, like, I probably would have voted – I think you could make a legit argument where I might have voted for Penix. Really? Really. You? Yeah. Why? And because, like, I, I understand the logic of – and the more I thought about it this morning, I've kind of I, – I just looked at it from the perspective of LSU had three losses. And when you look at what Penix did, their numbers were pretty similar to what Jaden Daniels did, right? Um, sure. But at the same time, Penix – was the leader of his team who's got him into the college football playoff. Uh, he also traversed a more difficult schedule than what I would say LSU did uh, consistently week in and week out going through the Pac-12 this year. He also defeated a Heisman contender head-to-head twice in a rivalry game. One was neutral side, or one was at home, and one was obviously in the conference championship game. Um I just think there's a lot of elements there where you could have given it to Michael Penix. Now, you you brought up the argument this morning about how it's it's cool to see somebody who is on necessarily like a ten a nine and three team that won it be over somebody who has won it all the time. Uh, what was your reasoning behind that? Like, so number one, uh, just to counteract your point about oh he beat Bo Nix twice. It's a team game. Right, no, I know that. It is a team. I know you know that. I'm just saying, like, for those out there that really want to hold that over Jalen Daniels, because that's part of what I'm going to get into here with the it's fun to see Heisman winners who aren't on championship teams uh, argument is that I don't understand why it's so much about the wins. Like, can we not measure a great player by his stats, by watching him, which does go a bit against my philosophy for how we should look at teams at the end of the year. Right. Uh, like, win your freaking game. Yeah, exactly. But that's, <laughs> it all comes back to this. It's a team game. You have the most outstanding player. Yes, you should be winning games, but you can easily have the most outstanding player and have a crap other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. You could have the worst kicker in the league and be losing close games. Like, there are so many different ways you can cut that pie where you're looking at it like, man, we're just one slice away. Right. Like, RG3. He's my prime example for this. He was on a 10-3 and Baylor team, and I don't think anyone really thought that year they were truly contenders for the conference title. No. He dragged them up and got them to double-digit wins. Scrappy little Baylor. Now... Were there other candidates like maybe Andrew Luck who were on more contending teams? Yeah. But were they truly did they truly have better seasons? Yeah. Is it does he not show more about a player and what he means to a team that he takes them from eight wins to ten wins, from seven wins to ten wins? It shows the difference that that player makes. And I think you can't necessarily see that on a team that's going undefeated and contending. Like, I'm not saying you should never take a Heisman winner off of one of those teams. There are going to be years where clearly the best player is on the best team. Oh, yeah. And they just destroy everyone, and it's not close and and whatnot. But, like, I go back to the Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry year. Okay. And my argument there about why I think uh, McCaffrey should have won was that there was another guy in Henry's conference, in Henry's division, on a worse team that put up the same stats. Does it not seem a bit more valuable that Leonard Fournette put up those stats on yeah. a worse team in the same division? Does I mean, from my perspective, it does. I know I'm talking to an LSU fan yeah. here, but like, in what world is it more valuable to do that on a better team? No, I get that. That's, that's it kind is of, more valuable yeah. to his team that is worse for Fournette that he put up those numbers. So in that case, that's why I go to McCaffrey. Because I'm like, well, those guys put up the same numbers. Right. 
Well, see, I think that's kind of where I, I was – I got it skewed personally because when you, when you look at this award, and I think where you're coming from with this is it's hard to differentiate a individual award from a team effort, right? Like that's, that's what we're trying to do here. And I think we get skewed with it being a team game and the wins and everything because the more – after you said that this morning, the more I was thinking about it was, okay, that loss that LSU had to Ole Miss, right? Like, was that on Daniels or was that on the that's defense? That's the thing. It was, was on, the, on defense. the defense. And they and if they wouldn't have had Daniels out there, then that would have been LSU a put up blowout. Oh, man, that was upper 40s, I'm like right? 40s. It was like, I think it was like 53, 48, something yeah. ridiculous like that. Heisman winner helped the offense put up 48 points. Yeah. See, that's, I think what that's more where is he I supposed to do. No, he did his part. And that's kind of where I was coming from with Penix was like he had the wins with it. But the more I thought about the overall, I, I, I still would have a hard time voting, like I, because I could see both perspectives of it, and I think I, like, this, I'm also this year was a very, very, very close call. I will not argue that. No, it was, and I, I wonder like how much too is like I, I'm trying to walk a fine line. Like I don't want to be like Daniel should have won, and like a fan. Like that's not it, because I think you could legitimately make an argument for both cases, and I wouldn't have been mad either way. But I did th- find that this is interesting because if you look at LSU, like me, they have struggled mightily with finding quarterbacks. Like, it has been abysmal. Like, all right, and Ross Dellinger had this tweet out there. From 2005 to 2017, they signed, LSU signed 20 quarterbacks. 15 were dismissed, transferred or switched positions. Nine never played a down, and only four completed their careers at LSU. But two of them since 2019 have won the Heisman. Like, that's to me is insane. Um, And it made me, like, think about, What's going to happen next year? Because makes me think about what's going to happen in college football in the next ten years. Well, th- that's a good point because, like, but from LSU, I don't want to derail you. No, but like from LSU's perspective, um, you're gonna you got Garrett Nussmeyer who's waiting in the wings, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're gonna bring him in, and he's gonna be the first. Like, I was trying to think, like, when was the last time LSU had a quarterback that they actually recruited and finished their career? You got to go back Wait, to is like he a senior now. He's gonna be a. He might be a. Redshirt junior next year. Okay, so either way, he's in year four at LSU. Right, yeah, dude. He's been sitting wow. behind. And so now you've got a situation Man, where love LSU. I know that that's the thing. And that's why I appreciate it. But at this point, like you gotta go back to like Brandon Harris and Jarrett Lee. So is he gonna be good at like now that the bar has been set so high by these transfer quarterbacks, is a guy who waited it out and developed going to be good enough to take them and, like, and do the next level next year. That's where I'm confused. I feel like you're going to have a drop back. Like you want to, you're wondering is LSU going to be able to get to Ohio state's place where they're not having to bring transfers in a quarterback. Right. Like what to me, it's, it's a, it's a bigger issue, right? Because like LSU is in a situation where you've constantly been rotating guys out at quarterback. And like, I think you can make an a case for Baylor. Like they're constantly been rotating guys out. You've never had anybody in like, at the end of the day, I'm kind of getting sidetracked with this, but it's a bigger issue because at the end of the day, are you limiting guys like Nussmeyer um, and them from developing as you keep adding transfers in? And is it hindering the development of these guys? And that's why we're seeing so many quarterbacks hit the portal. Like, that's a bigger issue, I, I think, with I it. I think, yes. I, I don't think that's too big of a question. Like, there's a certain point where guys need live snaps to develop. Yeah. And the problem is that – there's a high bust rate on that, right? And teams, high-level teams, can't stomach that. The the programs with championship aspirations every single year, the ones when you're being realistic about mm-hmm. it, that have championship aspirations every single year, they just can't have that. They need to have guys that they think don't need that much development, or guys that they tr- they think the miss rate is smaller, right? Um, so yeah, but um, as far as that like relates to the Heisman conversation at especially at LSU. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it, I don't know if it's been bad luck or bad recruiting or what, but it is interesting to see how the transfer portal has possibly helped LSU start solving that issue. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I think that's been, like, that's been key. They've definitely benefited from the transfer portal, and you can make a case that a lot of other teams have as well. I just, it's just interesting to see that 
you've been able to fix this this problem through the transfer portal, but it's hindered your development and where you go from here. And I just think that's kind of something that other people have to deal with across the nation as well. But I think it's cool to have Jaden Daniels come out and have the season he did. It's just now, dude, like with your back-to-back quarterbacks have been Heisman winners and they're putting up these ridiculous numbers. How do you feel that and how do you go forward? And I don't know if Nussmeyer's going to be that guy, but it's going to be interesting to see going forward. Yeah, this just sounds like an LSU fan it being was. worried about it. Was next I had year. to I had to rant on that. I, uh, I don't know if you had to. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Um so do you want to talk college football playoff? Yeah. Definitely get into that. What part of everything swirling around it right now do you want to hit on first? Well, I think kind of going through this, I I guess we could take a let's take a break and then let's come back and talk about Florida State getting screwed and then everything going from there that transpired and created you this need concoction. A to I your need thoughts. a moment to collect my thoughts. But we will do that, gather the thoughts, come back into it. But yeah, nonetheless, we do have a lot of interesting topics, whether you're looking at the playoffs, Florida State getting screwed, Bama getting in. We're getting into that next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and it is time to talk a little college football playoff. We weren't able to do this last week. This is a topic that we missed, uh, and we wanted to circle back to. Yeah, I got sick. You did get sick. Uh, that sucked. Yeah. That's, uh, that's never good when you get sick. Definitely sucked. But, so, Florida State definitely got screwed in this equation. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any doubt about that. Um, set me off. I'm not even the seminal in the office, and I was, I was, I, oof, I was heated. But was this a, like? I kind of feel like this was expected. Like I felt like the the whole week prior, they were setting this up. It felt like maybe it was just me wanting to not believe it, but I truly felt blindsided. I was like, there is no way. Like I think they want to, but they won't. Like they can't. Right. They can't. They want to, but they can't. And then they did. Holy bleep, they did. So, uh, to me, I don't understand the the process. Like, I know if you look at the product on the field, you can make a case, legitimate case, Alabama is the better team right now. But, dude, if you if you go through oh, and – Alabama is the better team yeah. right now. Like, I can't deny that. The starting quarterback for the Seminoles is out, and we've seen how the backups play. Well, I know, but at the same time, like, you're – it's a team game. Like going back to what we were talking about with the Heisman talk, right? Like it is a team game. Just because uh, Jordan Travis is injured, Tate Rodemaker gets banged up in the game before, and you have to throw your third shirt. Like that shouldn't be held, especially the way that defense played. Like you can't hold that against somebody. Like at the end, what are we doing playing the games that the wins don't matter? Yeah, that, that's where I'm at on all that. And I think it comes down to why. Why is the committee tasked with finding and choosing the four best teams instead of the four most deserving. What is the point of the season if at no point are you going to ask who deserves these the shot at the championship? Like, we play the season to narrow down the field right. to see who should play for the championship. That should word, you either have to take it who should, as in who are the best teams to play for the championship, if you're trying to crown the champion as right. the best team, or should being who deserves to play for the championship, who earned the right, the privilege, whatever you want to call it, to play for the championship. And at that point, it's the best out of the teams that deserved to keep to keep playing. No, absolutely. Like, so it, I don't understand why they're tasked with best and not most deserving. I understand that there are issues either way trying to sort through that to pick just four teams. That itself is an issue. And, right. And we all knew it going in, I think. Like, I, I'm pretty sure everyone knew when they decided to make a four-team playoff. Everyone was like, just four yeah, that, out that, of 133-team division? I thought when that initially, it would have made more sense. Like, you took, you should have made it six teams, right? And then you should have said the, the top five, uh, or the, the five conference champions and the best non-con and then just make it work from there. And you could have avoided all of this crap. Yeah, but now we're looking at a field that has uh, an undefeated Big Ten champ who, despite the cheating scandal, like, I I can't say that, like, I, I don't know what to think of Michigan, but they won all their games. Correct. They won all their games, and I don't know what 
any findings of any investigation are. Do I believe they cheated? Yes, I do. Right. I'm not getting worked up over it right now because, frankly, like, they wouldn't have been able to cheat on Ohio State this year. Ohio State should have beat them. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Then you've got undefeated Washington. They won arguably the toughest to win no, conference without a doubt. this yes. year. So, cool. They're in. I'm cool with Texas being in because when it came down to it, the way I saw it, Florida State should have definitely been in undefeated Power 5 champ. You had three undefeated Power 5 champs. Yes. The other two Power 5 champs played each other this year. I don't – like, I didn't – on that simple of a level, I don't see how you can mess that up. They found a way to mess it up. I am not arguing Texas should be in the playoff. I want that to be clear. I think it is – why is Alabama in over Florida State? Why? Because people don't think Florida State can compete for a championship anymore with their quarterback out. I think that's a BS reason to leave them out. They went undefeated. If the name of the game is to win the game, Florida State did that every game this year. They did. Alabama did not. I, do you think how like I, I've I've seriously wondered this because you know that it's all about style points. It's about flash. It's a TV show at the end of the day, right? But. I wonder also how much what was betting a part of this and seeing the high numbers go up. I feel like there's some hand in hand there. We'd have to do more digging, but I feel like it's more interesting and would make more intriguing bets if you have these high flying numbers and you have healthy quarterbacks and everything. I just feel like it's a combination of factors that are leading into Florida State being left out. I don't think it has to do so much with betting as it has to do with the ability to market your matchup. Right. I think Alabama already. Healthy between two healthy teams, Alabama is drawing more eyes than Florida State. Yeah. I truly think that. Um, no offense to Florida State, it's a it's close. It's it's a battle of two big brands, but Bama has be- been better for the last decade, so Bama's yeah. going to get more eyes. Everyone knows, everyone would hear in the buildup that Florida State's starting quarterback is out, and that they have to ride their defense and play like Iowa, like yeah. <laughs> for real, like. <laughs> That's not going to draw more eyes to your game. That's not going to draw more betters to your game if, if you yeah. really want to take that angle. Or it will because – I just think they, it's a they, bigger – you know, like it's all of that. Come yeah. on. So – but when you're looking at it like that, there is money to be lost by these corporations exactly. marketing games. So I can, I can believe it on that. And, like, I, there are so many reasons why I can believe why they did it. And at the end of the day, none of those reasons have anything to do with the integrity of the sport. Right. None of them. They all have to do with money. They all have to do with redefining what it means to be the champion of a college football. Yeah. Like, since when has it been the definitive best teams and only the best teams competing for a championship? I think it's molding the future of what they want because that's what it's, that's what this is all about right it, it's about going to these super conferences and having these mega matchups every week i feel like this was just a way of saying like of just that next step of getting it to that you know yeah i i don't i don't want to go that far no, on it, down a conspiracy rabbit hole get your tinfoil hat on go ahead it's there but it's always there it college sports has always felt to me like it's about the uncertain. It's yeah. about the upsets. Why do we look at look back at the kick six every year? Why do we look at rivalry games and be like, man, this is awesome. You know why it's awesome? It's not because of necessarily the hater. It's because of the unpredictability. Yeah. You don't know who's going to win. Texas absolutely should have beaten Oklahoma this year. Come on. No, without a Better doubt. team all year. But who won when they had to line up on the field? Boomer. Like, so, and you're telling these 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 guys who, frankly, like, I'm I'm 25 now. I'm not that much older, but shoot, I look back at my senior year of college. And I'm like, man, I was really still a kid, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of still am a kid. <laughs> but like, I look back and so I I I don't say this lightly. Like, you're telling kids like, hey, you just got to win every game. And you should be. In. Yeah. Well, if they go and they win every game. And then one of their brothers gets hurt. One. A single one. Gets hurt at the wrong time. Yeah. Like, I, I just... Shoot, man. I, 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 I don't like the precedent that that sets. I don't like that it seems to be more of a business than a sport. Like, I know that's what the pros are. Right. There's a reason why I'm a fan of college sports more than professional sports. 
I want to see the crazy. I want to see the unpredictable. I want to see this random style against that random style. Mm. Like, yes, I do want to see, like, the Levy offense go up against Iowa's defense. Like, that I would think be that would ridiculous. Be yeah. Like, I want to see games like Army-Navy and the triple option. Like, and so when you're saying, no, it pretty much just has to be the teams we think are the best. Well, what are the teams we think are the best? They're the ones of the biggest brands who get the best recruits and draw the most eyeballs. Yeah. Like, frankly, you can look at it like Alabama won their playoff berth in the offseason. Essentially, yeah, that and Greg Sankey's pushing all week. Like, <laughs> like, like, I don't want that to even be a possibility here. Like, college sports at its best is just telling, like, letting kids go compete and then taking the ones that have earned it the most yeah. and giving them a shot to play for a championship, which I know this is going to be so much simpler next year when 12 teams have that shot to play for the championship, and it will hurt less when you're saying this team that has two losses, we deem you arbitrarily worse or for these right. not-so-obvious reasons worse than this other team. Like I think that's a lot easier pill to swallow because when you're – you go out there and you as a team are perfect on your season. Mm -hmm. You're perfect against good competition. Not great. I know their strength, strength schedule by some metrics is in the sixties, but like it's a hell of a lot better than Liberty's. I'm not going to, I wouldn't have felt bad if Liberty who played literally, I think the Nobody. worst strength of schedule, yeah. I, I think they were 133rd. Um, you don't feel too bad about that. You don't feel as bad when you've got like an SMU who's 11 and two and they played their two losses are to the two power five schools. They played. Yeah. My point is, is like you move that bar back and all of a sudden your decisions are way less controversial. They affect way fewer people mm -hmm. and they mean that much less to what the sport is. No, that's a good point. I, the I, decisions should not be defining the sport. We should not have a committee of people who have their own various interests agendas, and some of yes. whom are nothing more than well-known fans. Yeah, that's essentially what it's gotten to. Like you've got you've got ads, you've got former coaches, and then you've got a couple well-known fans essentially. Yeah. So, I, I I don't like the amount of influence the committee as a whole has had over the direction of the sport, especially right. when it's a small group of people, many beholden to different corporations that have stakes in these games and in the sport. And the, like the influence they could be under, and I'm not saying specifically that I think this year was bought for Alabama. I'm not saying no, that. no. I just don't like the idea that that could happen. So I don't know if it's expand the committee or or make guideline like like you know how the president has to be 35 in America, right? Yeah, yeah, like have some baseline. Like they have to have like. Certain qualifications, an AD yeah. or or a coach or a player, like you have to know the game on a high level more than just like being me. Like, right. like yeah. you shouldn't, you sh I shouldn't be able to to feel like, well, hey, you know, I have a good enough career here in radio for or media for the next forty years. Maybe I can be in the committee in forty years. <laughs> just like, throw your name in a hat and see you what know happens. What I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no, I I should not be able to do that. No, that's a good point. There's something that's going to have to be fixed. And I think as it expands, you're going to run into more issues as well. But that's a topic for another day. But, like, we weren't the only ones caught off. Did you see the video of Michigan when they found the news that Bama got it? I have no idea why Michigan had a camera on. I don't either. And it was funny because I think it was Nicole Arbach. She put out a tweet. Like, she was in the room. And when uh, the, when the screen came up and uh, Texas was number three, she said, like, they all started tomahawk chopping and everything. And then they flashed Bam up there. And, like, everybody had a stroke. Like, yeah. they looked like, what the hell is happening? Like, so I, I, one of my, one of my better friends, actually, big, uh, he's a Texas alum, big Longhorns fan. He, he was, like, laughing at it. And I'm sitting here being like, dude, would you not react the same way? Like, yeah. And, and he went on, he, he made a decent point of, like, well, hey, championship programs, they're, they're ready. They're locked in no matter who they get, no matter who's in front of them. They think they can win. They think they can win. But I'm like, they're, that's like, a spur-of-the-moment thing, though. One, yes, there is a massive difference between Florida State on their second-string quarterback, because Rodemaker will be back, uh, versus Alabama. Yeah. Now, having said that, I still believe Florida State earned that spot. They damn sure Alabama. earned that spot. 
Like, yes, again, every time I will say, I think Alabama's the better team given the health of the two teams right now. I don't think that matters for, like, who should be playing with a shot to win the championship. Right. I think Alabama lost their shot back in September. When Texas beat them, they lost their shot. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Like, great, you beat Georgia. You got that much closer. You earned the five spot. Like, the SEC should have been left out this year. No, I completely agree with that. The SEC had a down year. I'm not trying to compare them to the ACC right now. No. But one team's undefeated, and no one in the SEC is. I, like, I... Just win, win damn football games. That, like, that's my thing. That, that's what it's just going to come back to every time for me is, like, one team won all their damn games. Right. The other teams did not. So as far as this matchup goes, when you're looking at Michigan uh, and Alabama in the Rose Bowl, like, is there – because this is going to be Michigan's third opportunity, right? Like, you made it to the semifinals. You, had, you got beat by Georgia. You got put money on them losing. I think they are, too. Like, this is a terrible – like, does – do they even have the playmakers to hang with Alabama? I don't know, man, because, like, McCarthy's – it feels like his play has been tailing off. I know there's a whole Heisman argument around that. Um, no, not like for him, but like you got to vote. Like, bro, somebody voted for him. Yeah, like I think I think a first place vote. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I saw stuff about that, and and so like his ta- his play's been tailing off. Uh, I just I know Alabama's defense is damn good. Yes. I just I think this is going to be a knockdown dragout fight. Honestly, honestly. I don't like. I feel like this is a situation where I haven't like. I've watched Michigan plenty of times this year. I think Michigan can be able to move the ball in Alabama, but if if there's a way where Jalen Milrow can take advantage of his legs and expose Michigan's secondary, which I think he'll be able to do, like, and if they start scoring, I don't think I don't have faith in the Michigan offense to get in a shootout situation with Bama at all. I do not. I do have faith in the Michigan defense to keep it tight early. I don't think Alabama's going to be able to jump out to a big lead, if a lead at all. And I do, like, it, it could come down to who makes the more backbreaking play first. Like, who who is the first turnover? Who misses a field goal? Who gets a penalty that keeps a drive alive? Right. Something like that. Or destroys a good drive. You know? So... I think that's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. So you're more intrigued with Washington, Texas by far, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That game, that game, Alabama, Michigan's got nothing, nothing on Washington, Texas. No. Like the defenses are solid, but the offenses should be should be fun to watch. Like, dare I say it? I think I might. Even take Texas in that game. See that, that I've heard Craig talk about that he would take Texas. He's thinking about taking Texas to win it all. And I just, man, I see a situation where Washington can beat them, and I kind of want to see that. Honestly, I would like at this point the way the playoff is set up. I kind of want Washington to win it. Just oh yeah, same here. Yeah, I'm absolutely rooting for Washington. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I've I've watched more Texas this year, uh, and I feel like you know they've got. They might have the best D-line in the playoff. Oh, hands down. Well, you make an argument, but I, I would agree with that. I think they do. Or yeah. They're definitely the two best two playmakers on the D-line. Yeah. So you've got the best shot at making a team one-dimensional, in my mind. Make Penix beat you, which is a dangerous game to play. Mm-hmm. Dangerous game to play with a Heisman runner-up. But when they don't have threat of play action, and it, it's a weird matchup, man. Not a great secondary versus Penix, but the ability to make a team one-dimensional is huge. Uh, I just, I, I think it's, I think more sparks are going to fly in that game. I think it's going to be the more fun game. And if I had to put money down, the more I think about it, I'm probably putting money on Washington, just because of that secondary in Texas. That's what that's what I think gets me. And if Washington wouldn't have looked as physical as they did against, that's what I like when they were going into that game with Oregon. I was banking on Oregon being the more physical team. Washington come out, punch them in the mouth. They were the more physical team, both sides of the ball, the entire game. And after seeing that, that gave me a little more pause to think maybe they can hold up. I'm not saying like compete four quarters, but hold up somewhat against that Texas D line. 
Um, I just feel like my thing, too, is going to be we know what Penix is going to bring, right? Like, Penix is going to bring his A game, and I just don't know which Quinn Ewers is going to show up because we've seen in the past where Quinn can come out and just ball like he did against Alabama, or he can come out, he can throw some picks, and I don't. that's where I'm kind of confused at that situation. I don't think it's so much that what Quinn Ewers is going to show up. It's how many quarters is the great Quinn Ewers going to show up right, for? Right, yeah. Like, if he shows up for two quarters, I don't think they win that game. No. He shows up for three, I think it's a coin flip. He shows up for four, I feel like Texas is going to win that game. Just because I I trust the te- the talent Texas has around him more than the talent that Washington has around Penix. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Roma Dunze is He's a freak. Hell of a player. <laughs> I just don't think they've got as much, as many talented players around around Penix as Texas has around yours. I, I think you could make an argument, dude, because you have Dunze, you have Polk is really good, you got McMillan back. Like, I think it's – I'm not – I think you could make an argument that's about yes, the I'm, same level. I'm, I'm not saying you can't make an argument. I think Texas's skill players are a better group. I – yeah, I mean, I, I can see the argument, but I it's just – It's going to be a hell of a game. No, it is. A hell it, of a game. So do you feel like this is setting up for, and maybe this is like with the, the the minds behind, like it just feels like this is setting up for a Nick Saban revenge game. Like they, they, you're going to get, they want Texas, they want Alabama. If we get Alabama and Texas in the championship game, I don't know how I'm going to be able to make myself watch, even though I, like I know I will and I know I have to for my job. Right. But <laughs> I will hate whoever wins that game. I will hate that those teams get to play in that game. Texas has absolutely earned the right, and if they win their the game against Washington, they will have absolutely earned the right. The whole time Alabama was playing this playoff, I will be like, this this should be Florida State. This no, should be Florida State. It should be, and I think that's what sucks too. Is right, like like if you you've you've screwed Florida State, and now you send them to play Georgia, right? And it, it that should be a game where everybody's excited, and the way that you went about setting that up, like you've took all interest out of it. Neither one of the coaches, especially on Florida State part, none of those players want to go play in that game. I think some do. I think some want to go out there, win, throw up middle fingers, and be like, no, we're the national champions. I don't think enough of the players that are NFL quality are those guys. Right. I think the guys who are NFL quality, as much as they might want to do that, know that it's possibly one of the dumbest things they could do in that situation. Um, just another way the com- the committee and the four team playoff is robbing the sport of good stuff. Because like let let's dive into this talk about yes. the bowl games. Like, like let's truly dive into it. Bowl games were not made dead by the BCS. Bowl games can have a good life of their own. I think even with the 12-team playoff, I think the four-team playoff killed bowl games. I think I think they can resurge after four is gone once you're getting the teams that are truly the best of the rest. Right. But when the best of the rest are like, you arbitrarily chose someone else to play for a national championship when I have every right to think I should be playing, no, they're going to be mad. No, they're going to like quit on their season. No, Guys are going to transfer and guys are going to opt out because they want to play in the NFL. Like, what is the reason to play if you are a bulldog or a Seminole right now? None. No, there isn't. But I think it's 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 a combination of the playoff did it and the to me it's the cycle of the transfer portal and coaching moves that's killed it as well. Because like, okay. I went to the Texas Bowl uh, a few years back when LSU played Kansas State, and that was the biggest waste of time and money of my life because LSU literally had no roster. They had no quarterback. um, And you're going out there with a team that, like, why do you want to go watch that? And you're seeing more and more of this in these bowl games where you have so many opt-outs. All right, if you look at the Alamo Bowl this year, that's a fun game. I think that that's one of those bowl games that it might be 
underappreciated by some, but if you're from Texas, I think you really grasp the appreciation for it. And also it's a bowl where you could take your family and you could do everything in the city and, and attend it, right? Yeah. But you've now got a situation where Oklahoma is playing Arizona. Oklahoma do, does not have their quarterback as Dylan Gabriel is now at Oregon. Uh, your offensive coordinator's gone because Jeff Lebby's now the coach at Mississippi State. You have so many people that are hitting the portal like what could have been a really good matchup and could have been something that the Big 12 in particular leveraged as a bowl where you have an outgoing team of what used to be and an incoming team of what is, what's going to be. The not having the players there, not having the coaches, I just feel like that steals all of that away. Like the angst, like what could be a really great matchup, it probably still will be, loses some of its luster, and you can make that case for a hundred other bowls out. I know that's not that's you know what I mean though. Yeah, they're not anywhere near. That's what annoys the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it was only the playoff, because yes, the transfer portal has absolutely murdered bowl games too. Absolutely. Like there there's no way to slice it. I think I I don't remember the coaching carousel timeline too well from before the transfer portal. Right. But I feel like the transfer portal has only moved up that coaching timeline, has only made an early hire before bowl season uh, more necessary. And, yes, it's necessary if the transfer portal is going to be open. Mm-hmm. Um So why do we have it open this early? I don't like, know. Like, why do we have it open before the national championship is played? It shouldn't be. Why do we have it open before every last college football game has been played for that year? That gives teams time to go through a thorough search process for their head coach. It gives, like, I understand coaches will still leave while players would, in our judgment, mm. still have to stay. Right. I understand that. I think we can get too caught up in well, why do they have to stay when those coaches can leave at any time? It's like, how about we just focus on do they have to stay, period? No, the window will be open. Right. They can leave. So the transfer portal needs to be locked down more. I'm not saying limit player movement more. I'm saying limit the timing of player movement more. Oh, yeah. Because if you can't transfer out, how much more likely are you to play in a bowl game? Well, I, I wouldn't say any more likely. So there's another step we have to take. Right. I don't know. Do, do you disagree? Well, no, I was just thinking may, the, the only way like to, to counteract that is if you put some sort of incentive on the bowl game. But then that like, what are we doing at that point, too? That's just adding another wrinkle into a skewed thing. So, I, no, I, I don't know how you would stop somebody who doesn't want to play from yes, not playing. It, it, it. it is the incentive that I'm, I'm looking at where there should be some kind of payday for the players right. in a bowl game. I mean, Or NIL options, some way you can set it up. There's NIL opportunities where, like, um, Baylor basketball has played a couple games up in South Dakota yeah. to start their years, last couple of years. And there are NIL opportunities built in around that where I think each player, every single player on the roster is able to get, like, 50K. Right. Uh, I Don't quote me on that number. And I know it's basketball, much, much smaller roster. Totally different, yeah. Uh, Like, I want to say six times smaller roster. But organizing something like that on a smaller per-player scale, making the bowl game gift package part of that. Right, yeah. Like, stuff like that where you're like, you don't get XYZ. Like, you've got to play or you're not getting this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, one, I think that lets walk-ons take those spots and get that money. I think that lets guys further down the roster earn a little something that maybe they hadn't haven't been able to earn yeah. uh, yet. Or maybe it's a nice little year-end bonus for those guys who've worked hard all year, scout team and whatnot. Um, but like it incentivizes that. it You have to find ways to make bowl games work because you need to be able to tell these teams at 1-6 games, like, yeah, you get two more weeks of practice. You get the thing the coaches really want, the mm-hmm. more time with their players to develop them. Um, more time to see if these young guys, like if there are still opt-outs and transfers, like or guys sitting out because they plan to transfer mm-hmm. once hopefully our later window yeah. idea opens, you still have time to see the next guy up and see what he can do 
live bullets opponent you're not seeing every day. So bowl games need to survive on some level. Maybe not as many. Maybe not the same ones. Like, I I don't know what the future of the Rose Bowl per se is yeah. because I think it's stupid to to have bowl games tied to to the bracket in any way. Like I, I like I, the main bowls to the bracket. Yeah, like let the bowls be the bowls and the playoff be the playoff. But at that point, yeah, the Rose Bowl doesn't mean the same thing as it, as it used to. I think we have to accept that. Right. Right now, we're like trying to get the best of both worlds where the Rose Bowl is still a big-time game. But it's not the Rose Bowl. Anymore. It's not the Big Ten versus the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is not even going to exist yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Well, I just There's got to be some value to it, right? Like Because at this point, they're, they're not worth playing for anybody. Uh, the companies involved in sponsorships and stuff are eventually going to lose their money. And that's what, like, if you look at the FCS, right? Like, all right, the, what's really all right, a good example of this was I was excited. I wanted to go to the Cotton Bowl so bad this year. Yeah. Just go out there, experience and, every, and everything. And I kept waiting and looking at the matchups. First, you were seeing, like, Texas and Mizzou. And as Texas made the playoff, that obviously switched to Ohio State. And I was like, damn, that's going to be fun. You have Ohio State. You have Mizzou. And then all of a sudden, McCord's gone. And then everybody starts – and it's like, okay, I don't, I'm not going to go up there now. And then you watch – like on Saturday, I'm watching the FCS, right? And you're seeing where you have an ex, a real playoff and everything's got it's value. teams, right? Yeah. And it's fun. Um, and then you start – I start seeing, well, the championship's going to be in Frisco. And now I have yeah. more interest in going and watching the FCS playoff than the freaking Cotton Bowl and – the fact that that's even crossed my mind or fathomable that that's real shouldn't be happening. And I don't know how we fix that, but we've got to find a way to turn it around. Uh, hopefully the extension of the playoff will help. Uh, but I also think like it's saturated. There's too many of the bowl games because we have to get rid of some because I think less is more. And we've created so many of them and like everybody gets in and Half of like the Bahamas Bowl isn't even in the Bahamas. Like you just got to tighten things up and make. Wasn't them it just a COVID more, thing? I, no, but I think there was something with this year because it's it's being played in South Carolina, I believe, and I don't know if it was a, a storm or what. There's something with that. Okay, but yeah, dude, like you've got. I, I think that's what it is. Is we've created too many of them. The timeline's messed up, and none of it holds the same value as it used to be. And I don't know how you fix it, but I shouldn't be more excited about the FCS playoffs than like the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I think, again, bowl games need need to figure out what they should be for the sport. Or maybe right. the sport needs to figure out what bowl games should be for it because it used to be much more selective, much fewer bowls, so they meant a lot more. They were conference champions, conference champions, something like that. And now, in my mind, bowls are a reward for for winning teams or 500 teams, a reward of a couple extra weeks of practice. Like you've built some momentum for your program, see what you can do with two more weeks right. of practice and maybe another game to like break a 500 record. Well, I also think too, like a part of this is like when I was growing up, bowls were cool because you got to see like teams, you matchups you never would have thought, right? And a lot of the time they were on these neutral site environments and it was a spectacle. It was something that you look forward to. But as the game, it really over the past decade, we started seeing so many of these, even rivalry games, like got nonsensical where they would be these neutral site, like Baylor and Tech. They had no business ever being neutral site. I hate neutral site yeah. games. Yeah, and then you started having like the big matchups in the early season with these like – all right, like next year, Florida uh, LSU. All right, you can do LSU, Florida State this year. Or next year, they're going to play uh, USC to open the season. Like you, you've created to where we have those, and what used to be cool and rare as far as like bowl games, we see the big matchups all the time. We see the it's like just the same thing. And by the time we get to it, it just we've we've been there and we've done that. Yeah. So I think, I think, the expanded playoff will be good for that in terms of making those matchups feel more weighty, feel like, man, there's something on the yeah. line here. Um, because I do think the conference pride aspect is dealt with more in the non-conference now because almost every Power 5 team is playing at least one other Power 5 team right. in the non-conference. Um, I think maybe maybe that's something the Bulls need to look at is like, hey, we're going to take the best of the group of five that we can get and throw them against the best of the power five that we can get after the playoffs are 
slotted. Right. And stuff like that, where, where it's more of a proving ground for the group of five. Now, is anyone in the Power Five going to like that? No. No, not at all. No. But I would probably create more opt-outs from the Power Five perspective. I don't think it's going to create opt-outs from the Power Five perspective. I, I would like to think that individual players aren't looking down that much. I think you would be surprised. Because I would I'm hope think, not. I'm thinking like it's going to be a team that already has three losses against you know a one loss power, uh, group of five champion or a team that has five losses from so the be power like, five versus a three loss group of five. Like a Mizzou versus a Liberty or something like that, that or something no, like I that. No, I think Mizzou would have been in the playoff this year. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's going to be more like an Oklahoma versus a Liberty. Uh, okay. Or an Oklahoma versus an SMU. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a good game. That would to actually, me. yeah, they've already, yeah, that would be fun again. And frankly, I think if you have too many opt outs, then it, it looks like you're running scared. Yeah. So again, like it seems like a lose for the Power Five program, no matter what, in terms of like you have you have to win the game at that point. But I think there's stakes there. I think that's something that people would like to watch. Right. Um, I random thought because bowl games still don't seem very viable even right. after we've gone through all of this. Is there in the future some kind of NIT to the NCAA in this in this like is there is there an NIT equivalent that could pop up? I, I think if you if the split happens the way they're wanting to do that. No, no, no. No, no you're just no, talking about just in general. Just in general. I would honestly don't talk I would, about a split no, right now. I would rather have an NIT situation and, and just eliminate the bowl games. I think that would be a lot more entertaining. I think it would create more value. You have your playoff situation, like with however many teams. All right. So, what, like, say you had 12 teams, then the remaining teams in the top 25. You take them and like they have their own or whatever. I think yeah. that would be fun as hell. Yeah, the next twelve, but I wouldn't say necessarily in the top twenty-five. You know what I mean? I'm just. I'd like actually do something with it, but yeah, I would like love to see that. The group of five champions. Yeah, like James Madison. Throw James Madison in the mix and then let them ride. Yeah, yeah James hell Madison, yeah. Troy. You know the these schools that like had good freaking years and then throw them against the best Power Five schools that will actually take right the invite. And that's the other thing. The Power Five, they could turn it down. Well, you could also use it as, well, because we know you're doing that, it anyway. But, you're but recruiting you're, players. You're getting, like, three games. You you have a chance to show a lot of momentum, get a lot more reps with your guys. Yes, the player safety issue rears its ugly head again, but maybe to those guys it's worth it. Because, frankly, if I'm sitting there and I have just won the best of the rest tournament, mm -hmm. I'm feeling pretty damn good about my year. I, you would. I think some of the coaches at the – I also think the money would be there for it. It would. but And I don't know how much – I feel like some of the coaches might be like, I don't want to do this because I don't want my player to be – but it's already, you're already being actively recruited. We know it. But, like, yeah. if you have a kid that just goes off, you know, and, like, I have – visual like i could see you like in person scouting you know per se yeah like, i think that, but there's that's a risk you're always going to have in football you're always going to have people leaving and stuff yeah i feel like coaches might push back on it simply for i think it'd be expanding fun the season and for taking them off the recruiting trail but i digress because i i think that that would be a very interesting future for the sport now do i think that's more likely than a split because like I, I don't see how that happens in a split, or like I see it happening in a split, but then it's an entirely different thing where it's right. the championship of this division, yeah, and the championship of, of that, that division, division, yeah, rather than oh, we've got like two different championship tournaments like college basketball has, right? Which they're gonna ruin the NIT soon. Like actually, I don't, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but uh -uh. they're, um, I believe the NIT is looking at bringing in more Power 5 teams and removing automatic bids for uh, mid-major champions who lost, who didn't get their automatic bid out of their conference because you know how mid-majors always do the conference tournament champion mm -hmm. instead of the regular season champion? Yeah. Regular season champions automatically get an invite to the NIT. Okay. Now, most of those teams would also get an at-large berth in uh, the full regular tournament in March Madness, but in the smaller conferences where they're one-bid one, one bid conferences, mm. 
well, boom, they automatically have the NIT. Right, yeah. They're going to take those away and look to replace them with more Power 5 to get more eyeballs. I'm not surprised. That That's literally where everything is going. I know. It's disgusting. I hate it. True fans of college basketball hate it. And it makes that tournament so much less cool. Um, especially since I'm sure a bunch of those Power 5 schools will turn them down every year. Oh, absolutely will. But I so. think that's what you would run into. But no, I, I I would I love the idea and the concept of doing that, like having another playoff go pair side by side with it. I think that's how you maybe you could even use like the bigger bowl sites as and keep that involved. But I, I like that compared to the current bowl system and what bowl games have begun. And hopefully, there's a way in the future that you can fix that and make that come to life because that would be badass. We've got a tiny bit more time. I've got one last question about the way the playoff is structured mm-hmm. and bowl games. Um, where do you think if bowl games should be tied into the bracket at all? Where should they be tied in? Because, like, first round in a twelve-team playoff, home games, right? Like on campus, that that seems to that make needs, sense to yes. everyone. Second round, you've won the bye. Should you also get home field advantage that round, or should those be bowl games? If you've got a bye, I think you should still have the opportunity to host. Yes, at, at your at your yeah. Me too. But at that point, then you're only having two bowl games represented each year in in the playoffs still. Because then you're at the semifinals yeah. at that point. Actually, no, wait, no, no, no. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, two. Well, then maybe you could take the other two and you'll have a bidding war and you go be the representative for the Constellation <laughs> bracket. That's how you do that. No, but yeah. I just – I don't know. I, I think that if you earned a buy – No, I'm with you. That, yeah, that's something you that – like, But I, I don't know how you would do that. Like Because to me, that's – It makes more sense just because of how many big bulls there are and then yeah. all of a sudden you're saying, well, you're not going to have one of the top 12 teams. Or definitely not one of the right. top 10 teams. Yeah. What's that bull supposed to think now? Like, what is the Fiesta supposed to think when it's a year where the Fiesta is not one of the semifinals? I don't know. There's going to have to deal with it like Florida State. There's there's New Year's Six. So, at that point, you're like, well, hey, these are the semifinal bowls. These are the quarterfinal bowls. Right. But then you're stealing a home game from teams that won and earned the bye. Yeah. Like. Slippery slope. I don't know. I I just – I feel like you should – I just – Bowl games aside, bowl sites aside, I want to play at home if I earn that right. Now, Same I think, here. That, I, I would not like to. I would not like to to be playing. Say, if I'm the four seed, I wouldn't like to be playing the five seed who just got to play another home game, right. And have to play them at a neutral site. Yeah, like that would come suck. on. I thought I earned something over them. We well, earning something doesn't matter anymore. Uh, don't remind me. <laughs> I really hope when they, like, as they move to twelve, they like kind of reset the committee yeah. and the expectations and who can be on it. And I don't think they will at all. No, they're not. And I have it, no hope of that. But like, it, it's about to be a whole lot of Big Ten, SEC, and a couple of the others. Sport. Yeah, but at this point, I don't think it's about the better of the sport or the better of the fan. It's about money and greed. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think we're going to come back with next week? Um, I think more so get into – I would like to get to where we start previewing and looking back on some teams, their seasons, kind of go forward with that. Uh, maybe some other – I want to get into the transfer portal. There have been a lot of interesting moves, especially quarterbacks that are going out. Uh, and there's also been some coaching changes that I have mean, caught my attention. I mean, bowl start on Saturday. Then we'll definitely have some bowl games to talk about. California Tech, UCLA, Boise. Yeah, those are probably the two that we'd – talk about at all so definitely probably get into those i want to hit the transfer portal for sure i think it might be time to start talking some basketball again we definitely need to talk some hoops yeah especially with you about to hit the road well yeah next monday i'm not sure if i'll be here or not we'll figure all that out all all that out might end up doing this uh live via like restream studio or something. something um but hopefully we will be live next monday um but yeah, we'll we'll start getting into some basketball content for y'all because, you know, something up here might lead you to believe we ever talk about that. Even though I don't think we've talked about basketball since last. But like we April. started the show, we had like a couple of basketball segments, and I, well, we definitely talked about it through the 
tournament last yeah. year through April, but definitely it's well. I, I think now is the prop the proper time to definitely yeah, dive into some, it. Some stuff has sorted itself out already. We know like Michigan State and Duke aren't what we thought they would be. At no. least not yet for Duke. I don't think Michigan State will be what anyone thought they would be. Not at all. Um, stuff like that. So yeah, Baylor's back in the top ten. You feeling good about that, huh? Baylor's got a good team this year, man. They do. They are pretty freaking loaded. I highly recommend everybody go check out Baylor. But what else should everybody check out? Uh, you definitely need to check out 365 Sports, the main show. Go check that out. Check out Paul's show, The Triple Option. Uh, he goes live Monday through Thursday, starting at noon, uh, one central time to two. And also make sure you hit like and subscribe on this channel. Josh Neighbors brings the heat every day as Grayson does as well. And we have the Bearcast over on the Baylor channel. Make sure you like and subscribe, all of that. But for Jack, I'm Garrett. This has been the College Chaos Podcast.